more you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Star Wars family? How's everyone doing today? Well, it's the start of another week, and I hope these shows at least get your week off to a good start. There are so many bad things that happen to us during the week. Maybe this show can be at least one good thing in your week. You know, bring a little bit of joy to your week. And with that being said, let's get to the quote of this week. And it comes from our former first lady, Michelle Obama. Always stay true to yourself and never let what somebody else says distract you from your goals. Certain people are going to hate. That's why they're called haters. But don't let their words distract you for what you're trying to achieve. So many people told us that this podcast wouldn't work. But here we are in our second season and we're doing great. Just do what's on your heart and everything else will be okay. But now let's get to the next chapter of Revan. Because this book is getting better and better. Last chapter, Scourge and Central broke into the UDM plant. So I'm wondering what's going to happen in this chapter. And the only way we're going to find out is to listen to it. So let's do that right now. Revan rarely visited the Jedi Temple on Coruscant anymore. Though technically still a member of the Order, he couldn't help but feel like an intruder as he mounted the steps and passed between the twin rows of statues that stood guard at the entrance. Many Jedi, particularly the Padawans and younger Jedi Knights, considered him a hero, a living legend. But the more conservative masters held a very different view. Some resented him for leading thousands of Jedi to their deaths in a war against the Mandalorians. Others could not forgive him for the millions of Republic soldiers and citizens killed when he and Malak returned from the Unknown Regions as conquerors. Officially, he had been redeemed and returned to the Light. But there were those who still felt he bore the indelible corruption of the dark side. To be fair, Revan had done little to try to convince them otherwise. At the top of the stairs, he passed through the temple entrance, crossing the long marble floor as he made his way to the interior courtyard. The council had offered to find a suitable master to retrain him in the proper ways of the Jedi, an offer he flatly refused. Revan had learned too much about the Force both the light side and the dark, to take instruction like some common Padawan. His contrariness might have been overlooked, had Bastilla not chosen a similar path. At one time she had been the Order's bright young star, but Malak had temporarily turned her to the dark side, and the Council believed that she also needed to be retrained. When she refused, some of them saw a familiar pattern, Revan leading a promising young Jedi away from the accepted teachings of the Order. Their marriage further exacerbated the situation. The Jedi Order opposed emotional attachments, believing they were a stepping stone to destruction. They taught that love begat jealousy, which led to the dark side. But Revan had seen its redemptive powers firsthand. It was his love that had brought Bastilla back to the light. Their emotional bond had wrought salvation for both of them. Denying or attempting to utterly control emotion, Revan felt, was a fool's game. Jealousy was actually the result of ill-prepared Jedi being overwhelmed by feelings they had never learned to face. Revan believed Jedi could be taught to use positive emotions like love and happiness to strengthen their connection to the Force, in the same way that hatred and anger gave power to those who followed the dark side. Emerging from the entrance hall, Revan was struck, as always, by the magnificent view. The Jedi Temple had been built atop a massive mountain, its rooftop converted into a huge open-air courtyard that overlooked Coruscant's endless cityscape a full kilometer below. A towering spire had been built on each of the courtyard's corners, 
and a fifth spire, larger than the others, rose up from the center. Small clusters of robed figures, a mixture of Jedi Padawans, knights, and masters filled the area. Some made their way quickly through the garden paths on business. Others lounged on benches or by fountains, taking a break from chores or training exercises. Revan kept the brown hood of his traditional Jedi cloak up to avoid being recognized. He wanted to conduct his business and be on his way as quickly as possible. The sooner he left the temple, the better. He hadn't always felt this way. In the first few weeks after Malak's defeat, when he was still being honored and feted as the savior of the galaxy, he approached the council with an offer to share his new understanding of the Force with the other members of the Order. He had expected some resistance, of course. The council was stuck in the old ways. They didn't understand that the Force was alive. They couldn't accept that it had evolved beyond their staid teachings. Yet he had been unprepared for the sheer hostility of the Council's reaction. Not only did they reject his offer, but a handful of counselors had wanted to banish him from the Order. Fortunately, cooler heads had prevailed. Revan was a hero. The tale of his redemption and return to the Light had spread throughout the galaxy. Though the sordid details of how the Jedi had stripped away his identity had been carefully excised. The wiser members of the Council understood that the legend of Revan was far too valuable to throw away simply because they no longer had any use for the man himself. In the end, a compromise was reached. The Jedi would not speak out against his marriage to Pastilla. Officially, both would still be recognized as Jedi in good standing, with all corresponding rights and privileges. In exchange, Revan promised not to spread his heresy to other members of the Order. At first, Bastilla wanted to reject their terms, but Revan convinced her that an ideological war with the Jedi Council served no purpose. They had done their part. It was time for them to fade from history and live out the rest of their days in peace. And so they had. Until Revan started having those blasted dreams. That was why he was here now. Candorus was out among his own people, seeing if he could find some connection between the war and a planet shrouded in the darkness of eternal storms. He'd been gone several weeks, and Revan had yet to hear back. But rather than sit around and do nothing, he decided to do a little investigation of his own. Moving with long, quick strides, he made his way to the spire on the northwest corner of the courtyard. This tower was home to the Council of First Knowledge a collection of five Jedi Masters and their underlings who specialized in the history and lore of the entire Order. It was also home to the Temple Archives, by far the galaxy's largest assembled collection of documents, data disks, and holocrons. It was often said that if an item did not appear in the archive records, then it did not exist. Despite the bold claim, Revan doubted he'd find anything to explain his dreams lurking in the stacks. He'd actually come here in search of something else. Some one else. A name from his past. Massive chunks of his memory were still missing. To fill in the gaps, he'd need to speak to someone who had been there with him during that time. Someone who had served beside him in the war. Malak had been his right hand during the campaign against the Mandalorians. But Malak was dead. Revan would get no answers there. Yet there had been another a powerful Jedi named Mitra Surik. Mitra had been among the first to join Revan's cause, and she quickly proved herself to be a brilliant tactician and military leader. Recognizing her potential, Revan had made her a general, 
giving her control over nearly half of the Republican Jedi troops under his command. Okay, so let's stop right here and take a look at what's going on with Rip. He doesn't visit the Jedi Temple very often. It seems like some of the older Jedis don't care for him too much. It's probably because he got a bunch of Jedi killed during the Mandalorian War. Or maybe it's his marriage to Basila. I think there's a little bit of jealousy of Revan, you know, and his freedom from the rules. After he was turned back to the light, some Jedis wanted him to go through Jedi training again. But Revan was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I know more about the Force than any other Jedi. I'm not about to be someone's Padawan. It isn't gonna happen. Forget it. Can Jedis be haters? Because the way Revan is talking, they just seem that the Jedi is just hating on him. But anyway, as he's walking through the temple, he sees his greatness, stating that the, it was built upon a large mountain that overlooked the rest of Coruscant. The Jedis are starting to sound more and more like monks, which if you look into George's vision of the Jedis, there was a lot of Asian influence when he created the characters of the Jedi. But as always, there was a bunch of Jedi in the courtyard and hallways, you know, they're everywhere which Revan tries his hardest to avoid. He doesn't want to be noticed. Even though he is still a Jedi, he avoids other Jedi. Sounds like he avoids everyone to me. He just doesn't like attention, the good or the bad. He just tries to keep things simple. It seems to me like the Jedi Temple is just a giant high school in a small town. Everyone knows everyone's business, and Revan doesn't want anyone else to know his business. So Revan makes his way up to the Jedi Archive, and he starts to search for the information that he is looking for, or the person that he is looking for, which is actually a female Jedi named Mitra, the Jedi known as the Exile, a friend and a confidant of powerful Jedi that Revan himself appointed to general of half the Republic fleet during the Mandalorian War. So that's about where we're at. Let's see what else is going to happen. Mitra had been instrumental in defeating the Mandalorians, dealing them a devastating blow during the Battle of Malachor V. Though at a cost nearly impossible to fathom. He hesitated only briefly at the door leading into the spire, stealing himself for what he might find. Then he entered the building and mounted the long spiral staircase leading up to the first floor of the archives. Revan had defeated Mandalore shortly after Mitra's victory at Malachor V, effectively ending the war. Then he and Malak had set off into the unknown regions, while Mitra had returned to face the judgment of the Jedi Council. She hadn't spoken to Revan since. He didn't even know where she was. He knew some of the details of what had happened. On her return, the Jedi Council had declared her a traitor for following Revan. They had stripped her of her rank and banished her, branding her as the Exile. According to the rumors, she had left Republic space and simply disappeared. Yet Revan felt there was more to the story. Mitra hadn't tried to contact him following Malik's defeat. Even if she had left Republic space, she surely would have heard of Revan's redemption by now. The fact that there had been no word from her was disturbing. Once he had tried to reach out to her with the Force, serving in battle with someone formed a special bond. Even across the breadth of the galaxy, he should have been able to get some vague sense of her presence. Yet he had felt nothing. The simplest explanation was that she had become one with the Force. But Revan couldn't allow himself to believe she was dead. After surviving the horrors of Malachor V, an anonymous death in the Outer Rim simply didn't seem fair. He stepped from the spiral staircase and onto the fourth-story landing, then pushed open the door to the second floor of the archives. He was relieved to see there was nobody else around. He wanted to do his research in private. Passing through the tightly packed stacks of data disks, he took a seat at one of the hollow terminals. He wasn't sure exactly what he was looking for, 
so he simply entered Mitra's name into the index. Several entries came up, including an official report on Malachor V compiled by one of the Jedi archivists. He made a mental note of the reference number, retrieved the data disk from its shelf, and inserted it into the terminal. He spent the next few minutes reviewing the report, but failed to come across anything he didn't already know. Malachor V had been a trap. A ploy to lure the Mandalorian fleet in close enough to the planet to unleash the mass shadow generator. An experimental superweapon that would draw upon the gravitational anomalies unique to the Malachor system to instantaneously destroy every ship orbiting the planet. Revan split his fleet in two, giving command of one half to Mitra. While he led his forces against Mandalore's flagship, he ordered his most trusted general to use her fleet as bait to lure the bulk of Mandalorian ships within range of the mass shadow generator. The Mandalorians had taken the bait, and once they were in range, Mitra gave the order to engage the mass shadow generator. The atmosphere exploded in a flash of fire, leaving only ash behind. Everything on Malachor's surface, every plant and tree, every animal and insect was instantly vaporized by the intense heat. The ground cracked and heaved, leaving deep scars across the blasted landscape. At the same time, hundreds of ships, Republic and Mandalorian alike, were yanked from orbit by the creation of an irresistible gravity vortex at the planet's core. They crashed into the surface of the world, striking with such velocity that their hulls actually penetrated several kilometers into the ground, burying the twisted wreckage and broken bodies. Tens of thousands of lives were snuffed out in a fraction of a second. Revan's and Mitra's ships had both been safely beyond the range of the superweapon. Though whether that was by luck or design, Revan honestly couldn't say. His memories of that time were gone. And looking back on his actions, he couldn't fully explain or justify them. Had he known what was going to happen, willingly sacrificing thousands of his own followers to achieve ultimate victory over the Mandalorians? Or had something in the plan gone horribly wrong? The report wasn't so ambiguous. It claimed Revan and Mitra both knew what would happen. It declared them criminals of war and mass murderers. The author of the report speculated that Malachor V was proof that even then Revan had already embraced the ways of the dark side. But Revan wasn't interested in the opinions of some anonymous Jedi archivist. He only cared for the facts, particularly what happened to Mitra after the battle. And here, the report was severely lacking. All he could glean was that she had returned of her own free will to face the Council, which summarily banished her from the Jedi Order and Republic space. I should have guessed it was you. The voice came from behind, sharp with indignation. Revan rose from his chair and turned to face the speaker. She wore the traditional robes of a Jedi archivist, though Revan knew she was in fact a Jedi master. She was young for the position, about Bastila's age, but her hair was platinum white. She had cold blue eyes and a pale complexion that spoke of a life spent inside the archives, well sheltered from the rays of the sun. Atreus, Revan said with a nod and a forced smile, silently cursing. Once a close friend of Mitra's, Atreus had refused to join those who had gone to battle the Mandalorians. A staunch traditionalist, she had shared the unfavorable opinion of Revan coming to the older, more conservative masters. Of all the people who could have interrupted his search, he could think of few he wanted to encounter less. Still trying to recapture your lost memories? She asked a little too smugly. 
and Revan understood that her arrival was no accident. Etris must have tagged the report he'd been reading so it would alert her whenever it was referenced. There were no rules or regulations against this kind of security feature, but it was rarely done. As a rule, those who served the Council of First Knowledge respected the right to personal privacy of Jedi visiting the Temple Archives. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Yet even though Revan had sought to keep his investigations private, he had done nothing wrong, and he still needed answers. This report seems to skim over some of the relevant details, he said. Shoddy work, he added on a sudden hunch. He saw Atris bristle, and he knew he'd guessed right. Not only had she tagged the report, she'd also prepared it. Maybe you just can't see the obvious truth in front of you, she snapped. Revan smiled. Despite all the Jedi teachings about peace and serenity, he'd always had a knack for riling up overly sanctimonious members of the Order like Atris. Guess I just need your great wisdom to help me understand what I'm missing. What makes you think I would do anything to help you? I'm still a Jedi, and Mitra's sentence is a matter of record, he reminded her, suddenly serious. I have a right to know the truth of what happened. All of it. What more is there to tell? She made the mistake of following you. You led her down the path to the dark side. She committed an unforgivable act, and for this the Council banished her. It was a desperate act during a desperate time, Revan said. And the mass shadow generator was an experimental prototype. How could the Council be sure Mitra even knew what would happen? What if it was all a mistake? A terrible accident? The mass shadow generator was a weapon of war, Atrus replied with a cool, rational calm. Its sole purpose was death and destruction, and she gave the order to activate it. How is that an accident? But she obviously regretted her actions, and she surrendered voluntarily to the Council. Why wouldn't they show her mercy? They needed to make an example of her. Atrus made no effort to hide the bitterness in her voice. She became a symbol for all those who had defied the will of the Council. Mercy was not an option. It can't be that simple, Revan pressed. My crimes were far worse, yet the Council gave me a second chance. You could still be of use to us. Revan sensed there was something she wasn't saying. What does that mean? Mitra was a powerful Jedi. Why didn't the Council try to redeem her? The Archivist shook her head in disbelief. You really have no idea what you did to her, do you? No, I don't, Revan snapped, allowing his frustration to bubble over. My memory has more holes in it than a Kaminoan sponge, so why don't you just tell me? Atris bit her lower lip and glared at him. Then, perhaps realizing that answering his questions was the quickest way to get him to leave, she began to speak. Mitra was much closer to the mass shadow generator than you were. She felt the shockwave. It nearly killed her, left her vulnerable. At the same time, she felt the deaths of the Mandalorians and her fellow soldiers through the Force. 
It was all too much to bear in her weakened state. It would have killed her. She paused for emphasis before continuing. Instinctively, she protected herself the only way she knew how. She cut herself off from the Force. Permanently. I'm sorry, Revan said sincerely. I had no idea. Really? Atrus replied angrily. Then why did you and Malik leave her behind when you went into the Unknown Regions? You realized she was of no further use to you, and you abandoned her. That's why she came back to the Order to face judgment. I didn't see that in your report. Is that fact or just speculation? Her refusal to speak was reply enough. Even if what you say is true, Revan continued, I'm not the same man anymore. Is it right to still hold me accountable for those crimes? A Chalorax can't change its spots, she muttered under her breath. Revan was too busy trying to process all he had learned to react to her comment. If Mitra was cut off from the Force, that would explain why he hadn't been able to sense her presence. That meant she could still be alive somewhere. She might still know something that could help him understand the meaning of his vision. Do you know where she went? He asked. I need to speak with her. Haven't you done enough already? Atris demanded. It's your fault she defied the Council and betrayed the Order. It's your fault she fell to the Dark Side and was branded the Exile. It's your fault she cut herself off from the Force. For a Jedi, that's a fate worse than death. I've come closer to death than most, Revan countered. And I can assure you that's not true. Atris snorted in contempt. <laughs> that is the difference between us. I live for the Force. You live for yourself. Revan shrugged, knowing a philosophical argument wasn't going to get him any closer to finding Mitra. Whatever you think of me, he said, I did not compel Mitra into any of this. She made her own choices, and it should be her decision now if she wants to speak to me again, not yours. If you know where she is, you have to tell me. I haven't spoken to her since her trial, Atris answered through gritted teeth and Revan knew she was telling the truth. I do not know where she went, and I hope I never see her again. The exile betrayed the Order, as did you. You're not welcome here. Go back home to your wife. Atris spoke the last word with such venom she nearly choked on it. Uh-uh-uh, Revan said, wagging his finger at her. There is no emotion. There is peace. Her lip curled up in a snarl, and she spun on her heel and stormed out of the room. Revan waited until the sound of her feet on the stairs faded, then sat slowly back down in the chair. With Atris gone, he could let his sarcastic mask slip. Despite what he'd said to her, he couldn't help but feel responsible for Mitra. He'd refused to give Atris the satisfaction of seeing his guilt and grief, but now that he was alone, the emotions came flooding to the surface. Most of his specific memories of Mitra were gone. He could recall only disjointed bits and pieces, but she had once been one of his closest friends, and he still felt a powerful emotional connection to her. Slumping forward, he buried his face in his hands. He expected tears to follow, but that didn't happen. Instead, he just felt a hollow, numbing sorrow. After several minutes, 
He took a deep breath to collect himself and rose to his feet. Then he headed out the archive's door and down the stairs. He'd come to the temple in search of an old friend and confidant, hoping she could help him understand the dreams that plagued his nights. Instead, he'd found a dead end and learned the grim truth about the one they called the Exile. No wonder I never come here anymore, he grumbled under his breath as he made his way across the courtyard and headed for the exit. Okay, we have found out that Mitra was the reason that they won at Malachor 5. She set off the mass shadow generator that caused a gravity well that sucked a bunch of ships into the planet. The Republic, as well as Mandalorian ships alike, she just killed everybody. It was like tens of thousands of people were killed instantly. I think the part that got me is how they described it. It pulled the ships into the planet. They would go a couple kilometers inside the planet. Just imagine that. You see the ground and then you're buried alive. That's so messed up. Revan knew all this from reading about it, but he couldn't remember all the details and stuff. He couldn't remember exactly what happened. He states that he tries to reach out to Mitra with the Force. There's a special bond that is formed when two Jedis have been in battle together, so they can reach out to each other across great distances. But for some reason, he wasn't able to get to her. He couldn't find her. Think about that for a moment. You want to holler at one of your friends, so you just use the Force to say what's up. That would be dope. So anyway, he looks her up, and within moments, a Jedi named Atris, one of the Archive Masters, shows up and starts talking to him. Or let me rephrase that talking at him. Revan figures that she has tagged the files to alert her if anyone looks at it. This is messed up if you ask me. You know, you can't just be tagging files and just people showing up, but I guess there ain't no rule against it. She is talking to him as if he is the problems of the whole universe. It's all his fault, all the problems. I'm guessing she doesn't like him very much. She goes on to blame him for Mitra being kicked out of the order. She tells him that Mitra shut herself off to the force because she could not handle being that close to all the people that she just killed and it is all his fault. Revan tells her he couldn't even remember it. He's like, I can't even remember the stuff. So she tells Revan that he is not welcome at the archives. Then she tells him in a very hateful manner that he should go home to his wife. He reminds her of the Jedi code and how you're not supposed to use emotion. But she keeps on going, so anyway, he cuts her off. So what we learn from this chapter is that one of Raven's closest friends, Mitra, shut herself off from the Force and was exiled from the Jedi Order. So she's not going to be any help. And I think that's all we have for this episode. To find out what happens next, you'll have to join me for Chapter 6 of this amazing book. So until then, remember, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.